Hello, everyone, and once again, we are the Patriot Preacher Podcast, and we want to welcome everyone who is listening in. My name is Dan Fraley. I'm with the Mouth of Joe's Creek Church of Christ, and today, once again, I'm at the Tri-City School preaching with Brother Ethan Tate. Ethan, how are you today? Doing well. Great. Now, today, we're going to continue our conversation with about the laws. We have uh, Last episode, we talked the difference between the old law and the new law and the consequences of trying to live under the old law. And today, of course, we are going to be talking, getting into more, uh, hopefully in John chapter 1, we're going to be talking about Ephesians 2, and hopefully we'll get to 2 Corinthians. Uh, But for the most part, we are going to be talking about God's grace. And uh, Ethan, I'm just going to read, I'm going to read John chapter 1, verse 1, and then I'm going to hand it over to you. It says here, it says, in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. How can we develop the idea of grace from this verse? Well, as you go through this, it, it shows John has this uh, very unique way of showing the beginning of Christ. It doesn't begin with his earthly birth. Rather, it begins with his divinity from the very beginning. And as you look through the chapter, it says that all things were created through this word character. Man could not comprehend what it would call the light. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend. Well, in this way, it's not saying that light can't shine through darkness. Rather, the idea of comprehending, what do you comprehend? Thoughts, ideas. We're talking about righteousness versus unrighteousness. And when you look at verse 6, God sent a man by the name of John, and he came to bear witness of not a lowercase l, but a capital L. And this is that light of men that's made reference in verse 4. This light was not John the Baptist, but it was the light which gives light to every man coming in the world, verse 9. When you look down into verse 12, this light character, as many as receive this word, this light, to them this word or light gave the right for man to become children of God to those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So God's going to reveal something through this individual. And when you look at verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. It mimics that idea of Matthew 17, the Mount of Transfiguration. So who are we thinking of? Christ. We beheld Christ in his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of this person, and the fullness we have all received, grace for grace, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Christ Jesus. Now, some people come to verse 17 after reading through all of this, and um, they'll say, well, the Old Testament law really didn't have any grace. It didn't have, uh, it wasn't the, the, the truth that God really desired for mankind to have. No, it it was part of the process. It was. In fact, God gave blessings and cursings according to Deuteronomy 30 and following if the children of Israel wouldn't follow it. Now, does God ever give false commands? That's an absurd statement. Why, Why would he do that? He wouldn't. That would be deceitful, and that's not who God is. God is a God of absolute truth. He is a God of grace. Uh, multiple times we mentioned last program how he showed grace, or at least the idea that grace can be found in God's sight. We'll explain that more. But it would say of Christ, something came through him of grace and truth that was different from the law of Moses. 
And we talked about last program that the law, the old law, was limited in the sense of what about ultimate fulfillment of forgiveness of sin through the blood of bulls and goats? Well, that couldn't be found. Uh, What about the priesthood? Was the Aaronic priesthood what God desired for every man to be atoned by? No, he was looking for a higher priest. These were foretelling of a better priest to come. So with better sacrifices, better priesthood, better promises, who's the fulfillment of what God's intention of the law was to be? It was Christ. Now, if you're just looking at this, this doesn't give you a whole lot of information other than John was to reveal the coming of Christ, and Christ was to reveal something distinct from the old law to this new way that's full of grace and full of truth. Not that the old law had no grace, and not that the old law had no truth. It had to be, otherwise there are a ton of lies in the Old Testament. But as you look over at Ephesians chapter 2, this idea of grace is the exact same thing that we're saved by because it's simply how God designed the pattern for salvation under the law of Christ. It's interesting. He would say in verse, uh, well, chapter 2, verse 1, and you he is made alive. If you look back at the beginning, chapter 1, verse 1, he's writing to saints who are faithful. So these are faithful people. You faithful saints, Christ, God, has made alive who you were dead in trespasses and sin, and whom you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once conducted ourselves through various sins. It would say in verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love when he loved us, in which we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Now, Check out this next phrase. By grace, you have been saved. What does that mean? He explains it more in the text. For when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with, or excuse me, he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in the kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Look back at verse uh, 6. Of chapter 1. It would say that to the praise of the glory of his, God's grace, by which he made us accepted through Christ. How? Verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the richness of his grace, which he made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will. Remember, it talked about not of the will of man, but of the will of God, this light character from John 1. Something about Christ has made access available for forgiveness of sin, and that's how God designed it. Well, how did he do this? Well, he raised us up. How did he do this? He shared with us wisdom. It's interesting. Grace is also attributed to knowledge because some people would say um, the law of Christ being this law of grace has no commands. Well, it's interesting. Titus 2.11 would say the grace of God teaches us. What? Yeah, grace teaches. It's not just, well, Christ died, and we just read that from Ephesians 1. We're saved by his blood through, or so that we can have remission of sins. But notice this grace has to be come in contact with by the way God designed. Look at verse 8 of Ephesians 2. For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
Now, some people look at this and they say, well, there's only one kind of works. There's only one kind of faith that the Bible talks about. No, there's not. Are we talking about works of flesh? Are we talking about uh, works of mankind? Are we talking about works that God does? Uh, There's a variety of different works. What about faith? Are we talking about the faith, contending for the faith, Jude 1, 3? Or are we talking about faith that cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17? This text in Ephesians 2, along with continuing in the context of Ephesians 1, Paul is telling the Ephesians God designed a system of salvation that you could never develop because God wanted to find you favorable. He wanted to give you the position. Notice it says that he's given us mercy. Verse 4, God who is rich in mercy and great love which he loved us, he made us alive together with Christ. How did he do this? Grace through faith. We can find favor with God by being faithful. Now the question to that is faithful to what? And that's going to lead into the law of Christ. Yeah, so I, I want to read a couple of verses here and kind of go along with that to give an idea of what we're talking about. If you read Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, According as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, would that be God's grace? That's it. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. When I read Titus chapter uh, 2, uh, the, I believe it's the verses that you were referencing. It says, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior in all things, for the grace of God, verse 11, that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. And it's interesting, it tied in in the verse before, doctrine of God. God's doctrine is tied in with his grace because if you love me, the John fourteen fifteen passage, if you love me, Keep my commandments. That is doctrine of God with finding favor with God. What is that? Turning away from wickedness and doing that which is righteous in God's eyes. That is finding grace through faith. Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You are firm by standing upon what is supported through Scripture, given through wisdom of God, the spoken word. That's the only way we can know the mind of God, according to 1 Corinthians 2. So you, you referenced Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. That's where that comes from. But I want to continue on with this idea of what he just said in Titus chapter 2 and verse 12, God's grace, right? The grace of God, the doctrine of God, hath appeared unto all men, uh, bringing salvation to all men, teaching us, there's God's grace, teaching us, deny, and it's going to tell us what it teaches us, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. This was the idea of the Old Testament, was it not? Mm-hmm. What is God doing from the beginning? He's teaching us to deny. He's seen a problem early. You know, we've seen all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 that worldly lust and ungodliness can lead to death. This is kind of what we've been talking about here, folks. It says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, how should we then live? We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. How are we going to do that? God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, which is his grace. That is God's grace. He has taught us how to live. Now, I want to go and quote one more verse here while I'm thinking about it. I've used these before, and I use these a lot in in sermons when we're talking about this idea, and then we'll get back to 2 Corinthians or, or 
where you want to go. One more, and then we'll go to 2 Corinthians. Okay. I'm going to tie all of Ephesians together for what we've said so far. All right, so John chapter 6, it, it reminds us that how are we taught? When we talk about receiving God's grace, how do we do that? Well, we're taught. We're taught from the Word of God. This is what the salvation that God sent through His Son, Jesus Christ, that was revealed to all men. It is written in the prophets. They shall be all taught of God. Every, every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father, God's grace revealed to all men, cometh unto me. That's what God's grace is. Go ahead. Absolutely. And continuing with that thought, after Paul has assimilated those kind of ideas that were saved by the blood of Christ, and it's through God's grace that we can learn how we can be saved through the blood of Christ, it's interesting he would kind of conclude this at least first half of Ephesians. In chapter 3, by saying in verse 1, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. So he's not talking to the the Old Testament termed circumcision, but rather the uncircumcision. If indeed you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation, that's a revealing of things, revelation, he has made known to me the mystery. What mystery? That I have briefly written already by which you, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. What about this mystery? which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of the promise of Christ through the gospel. The doctrine of God, the doctrine of Christ. If we want to use Second John 9 through 11, we could use that as well. The idea of the doctrine of Christ, which teaches us to deny ungodliness. What is being shown through that? It's God's favor. What is he trying to do? He's trying to establish a relationship with us. He's given the, the requirements for us to follow. That's the idea of grace. How could we ever make it to heaven's gates if God never gave us the guide or the directions? He's done that through the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto what? salvation. If we're going to find favor in God's sight, it's not, well, Christ died for me, and uh, his grace shines on me, and that's all I need. No, no, no. Grace implies you have something to follow. So with all of this tied together, Paul stated from the beginning of Ephesians, you faithful saints, God has atoned for your sins through the blood of Christ, which he has shed freely through his grace, through his favor, so that you, according to chapter 3, can be made fellow heirs of the promise to be with him in heaven. Just like he said to the Jews, I want to be with you. I want you to be with me. It's, it's interesting how God has separated that middle wall of partition, which he talks about in chapter 2, verse 14 and following. But the idea is that God is on an equal playing field. All men can come to him. And in fact, he would say that to uh, Cornelius, or at least Peter would make this acknowledgement in Acts chapter 11. Uh, Truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but he that feareth God and worketh righteousness. That is who God is looking for. That's God's grace. Favor upon those who are obedient to his commands. Yeah. So it's not just... The grace is freely given. It, it is, but it comes with a price. But if we're going to accept that gift, we have to follow 
what has been revealed. Yeah, and I just want to make this clarification here. We are not teaching here that uh, grace is somehow connected to doctrine that is somehow disconnected from the blood of Jesus Absolutely. Christ. Absolutely. It's, it's together. Right. So the doctrine of Christ is what we preach because the doctrine of Christ is his death, burial, and resurrection. Let me, let me read some out of Romans chapter 5 here. It says, Therefore being justified by faith, now this justification comes Ephesians chapter 2, Verse 8, for it is by grace you are saved through faith. We are justified by faith. But what does that mean? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is how the doctrine and learning and applying the grace and accepting the grace and working through faith all tie together. This is what we're doing, separating the old law from the new law, understanding that we don't have any of this without Jesus Christ, that it is impossible to have but go on and you read on down here. It says, by whom also, verse 2 of Romans chapter 5, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We are not separating anything. We are not saying, okay, this is a list of things. No, this is how it is tied together. God's new law that involves Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross for our sins, that is taught in the doctrine of Christ, teaching us that because Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross for our sins, go back to Titus chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, God's grace has been revealed through those acts, and now we have to teach people those things if they're going to be saved. Go on down to verse 7 and 8 of Romans chapter 5. It says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, is that is that tied into grace and teaching of the doctrine of Christ? Yes, that is what we are teaching. That is the doctrine of Christ. And so when people say, well, because of Jesus Christ died on the cross and shed his blood, we don't have to do anything. No, because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and shed his blood, that is God's grace, and that is how we are justified by faith when we do what Christ has, has for us to do. Absolutely, and the people who say, well, you're trying to work your way into salvation, I, I want you to read the following verse after Paul has already said you're saved by grace. You find God's favor through faith, being obedient to Christ in the gospel. Well, how do you do that? He explains that later. But he says the creation that we become when we follow this process that God has given freely to all who are willing to come to repentance and be obedient. These new creatures, verse 10, we, faithful saints, are his workmanship created into created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works. Good works. Good works. The Bible tells what the good works are. Absolutely. And that's what we are to do. It's not works that we come up with. Absolutely. And God has already preordained those. In fact, it would say, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Brings up First John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from our sins. This means that we can know what it takes to be found in God's Grace. Now, going way back into old law, new law, there were people in Galatia who were trying to combine them both, and we talked about that last program. 
But when we say we need to keep the Ten Commandments, which are not the law of Christ, that's under the law of Moses. Just look at the beginning of Exodus 20. You'll find out that's the law of Moses. What about the Sabbath day? Well, that's part of the Ten Commandments. Uh, well, uh, what about tithing? That's part of the law of Moses, given yeah. on Sinai. Let me clarify that this is not saying that these laws were never true. They're true. Correct, they're true. correct. Yeah, so. They were applicable at a certain time. But it would say, um, well, that's the whole point of 2 Corinthians 3. We don't have time to go through it, but I would look at verse 7 of chapter 3, the law of Moses, which glory was to be done away. Verse 11, for if that which is done away. What's he saying? The law of Moses and those who try to live by it are still blinded. In fact, it would say in verse 13, to the end of that which is abolished. In fact, the point of Christ was to bring in a greater and a better law to rid us from the yoke of bondage found under the law. In fact, if we try to live under both, Paul would say, verse 3 of chapter 5 of Galatians, I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. You claim we're under the Ten Commandments. You have to keep the Old Testament law, all of it. Tithing or Sabbath or Ten Commandments, you're under that. And you're also trying to keep the law of of Christ. It would say in verse 4, this is important, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Why? If you claim to be justified by following the Old Testament law and you've fallen from grace, you have fallen from God's favor. Why? Because the Old Testament law is done away and we are under a new, greater, living covenant. It's the law of Christ. Yeah, and so I was going to get into what Jesus said here because he lived, Galatians 4, verse 4, born of a woman, born under the law. He lived under the law of Moses. He died. He is the mediator of the New Testament. He even said that not one jot nor tittle will pass away till all be fulfilled. And he's the one who fulfilled it. He is the one who fulfilled it. And I, I wish I could get people to understand that. We are not under the old law anymore. Jesus feel, fulfilled, he fulfilled that every jot, every tittle. We are under the new law now. We are under grace through faith. And we have to understand how those two components interact with the gospel of Christ. This is what we've attempted to explain. I hope uh, if you have any questions about what we've talked about, you can reach out to us. You can call us. My phone number is 423-707-4178. I'm at the mouth of Joe's Creek Church of Christ, located at 5230 State Highway 194 West, Pikeville, Kentucky, 41501. Brother Ethan Tate is here at the Tri-City School of Preaching. He is a preacher at the Rogersville Church of Christ. If you want to call here at the Tri-City School of Preaching, you can call 423-512-9226. Uh, Ethan, you guys have a radio program as well, right? We do. That's actually the phone number for the radio program. The mm-hmm. school phone number is 423-474-2622. But you can reach us at any time on those numbers or email us at tcsopcd at gmail.com, and we'll have that posted on the end credits here. Absolutely. So uh, this is a work of the Church of Christ. I once again want to thank everyone for tuning in. And if you have any questions, please reach out to us. We'd love to discuss the Bible with you. This is what we do as Christians. We persuade people. And so we'd love to hear from you. God bless you. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a good day.